Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Cameron Shu, filling in for our regular host, Jack Ford. NCAA investigations involving well-known schools have been widely covered across the sports media landscape. Ultimately, these cases are presented to a group of individuals who are not NCAA National Office staff members for a ruling. This group is called the Committee on Infractions. Joining me today to provide some insight on the committee is the current chair, or appointed head of the group, Greg Christopher, who also is the Director of Athletics at Xavier University. Greg, good to have you here. Cam, good afternoon. Good to see you. Why don't we get, just get right into it. What is the role of the Committee on Infractions? Well, I think the outside world looks at us a little bit like a judge and a jury. You know, it's, a, it's an administrative hearing, not uh, something that happens in a courtroom. But at the end of the day, uh, we're trying to find the facts, I guess, or find out what happened in, in an infraction situation. How many people comprise the committee? You know, when I first got on the committee, I was the last person on in the old 10-person model where we saw every single uh, case or every hearing. And then you may remember through the enforcement working group process, the, the workload has expanded. The committee has expanded. So there's 24 of us. I, oh. I'm not sure we're at full committee. Wow. Uh, I think there's 23 uh, or 24 right now. And so we get chopped up into pieces, in essence. Uh, you'll have uh, somewhere either five or seven on any one panel. Oh, so at no point are all 24 of you on a panel? Twice a year we get together okay. for training purposes. Uh, but, but you're right. All 24 aren't in one room for one hearing. Oh. So it's a random selection, uh, and, uh, and you get selected to be on a specific hearing. And um, go with that group. And speaking of selection, so how did you become a member of the Committee on Infractions? I think I missed a meeting somewhere along the line. <laughs> uh, either that or they, you know, they said, let's keep a Greg as, a, as, the, uh, as the chair. But uh, if you go back four years, I was coming off the basketball group, off the Women's Basketball Committee, and John Steinbrecher, the commissioner of the Mid-American Conference, called and said, hey, I think you'd be good for this, and would you have an interest? My background's completely external. Uh, I thought it would be something interesting. So that's how I got on the committee. And then as chair, it was just one of those things, uh, as Greg Sankey was rolling off, you know, who's going who's gonna to run the meetings and keep, hopefully, the trains running on time? Well, and, and it's an interesting point because as a busy athletics director in, in a role you already have, why is it important to you to volunteer as a committee on fractions member, because at the end of the day, this is a volunteer. It is, but but I think that's the really the basis of our entire organization. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, I know there's 400 plus people here in Indianapolis uh, that do incredible work for the association, but uh, we are a membership organization, so it's up to us to as practitioners to not just do our jobs at our desks in our home offices, but to to help serve the organization. So forget COI or Women's Basketball Committee or any other committee. Uh, we need our uh, athletic directors, compliance directors, uh, coaches to be involved in, in the association. So uh, at the end of the day, why did you get into college athletics? Hopefully there's some basis of wanting it to be better. And, uh, you know, that's maybe a long-winded answer, but, you know, trying to trying to help make the future better for our association. And what were you surprised about once you joined the committee? You know, I, I've said this to a lot of people. The thing that jumps off the page to me the most is uh, this committee and the work we do uh, 
is by far the most diverse group of people I've ever been around and the most uh, robust and diverse conversations. And I don't mean diverse or diversity in, in maybe the traditional way. A lot of people think black, white, green, whatever. But much more, you, you think about who's in that room. You know, you've got me sitting there as an AD. You've got a, maybe a college president. You've got some really uh, high-powered people like Alberto Gonzalez. Gonzalez you know, in, in the room. And, and Alberto, again, is? You know, former attorney general, uh, and but he's on COI. So in, incredible talent in the room. So you better bring your A game, know what you're talking about, but incredibly diverse thought, I guess, and, and approach. So the conversations about the hearings and the cases, really robust. And um, it's it's maybe more thorough than I expected. And you have to understand I was an empty cup not having a compliance background getting into this. So I think especially I bring kind of that practical background of what happens on a campus. But uh, I, I, you know, coming out of it now, four years later, or not out of it, but I can say to anybody, it's a fair process. I don't think it's a perfect process. I think it's fair. Um, but I also think it's incredibly thorough uh, with what we go through. And now, how does the Committee on Infractions prepare for a hearing? Well, it starts with enforcement, obviously. Uh, enforcement's the group that, that pushes the, the case into the system, so to speak, uh, based on an allegation. By the time we receive it, all parties involved have had a chance to um, say their piece, so to speak, with the record. Uh, so the, the prep time is, uh, is, frankly, a lot of reading. Uh, reading all, all the materials and getting ready. And and then depending, you know, summary disposition is one route a school can go, okay. in which case uh, we handle it, everybody agrees on everything, and we handle it through a conference call. But if it's a hearing, a live hearing, a lot of reading ahead of time, a couple of phone calls to make sure we, we've got, uh, um, you know, kind of the, the I's dotted and T's crossed for the hearing itself, and then the hearing takes place, and uh, enforcement makes its presentation. School makes its presentation. If you've got a staff member or a coach or somebody else, they make their presentation. We ask a lot of questions, and then we go in another room and deliberate. Along that line, about how long is an average hearing? Yeah, good question, Kim. I, I mean, and it's all over the board. I don't think there's a, a you know, we. I've seen them last less than a day. Uh, I've seen them last two or three days. Wow. So a lot of it just depends on how how complex something is. So when the hearing begins, do you already know if you're going to find an allegation or not based on all the reading that you've done? Not at all. I mean, that's that's the whole purpose. Uh, first of all, I, I I think enforcement doesn't bring some bring an allegation forward unless there's there's substance to it. So, so you, you have to judge that substance. You have to, uh, you know, weigh the credibility of the people involved. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, again, I'm confident of the group of people that are sitting with us that you go into this open-minded. Some cases get a lot of media attention during the enforcement investigation and leading up to the hearing, obviously. Do you read all of that reporting and does it impact your decision-making? I'll answer the last part first because that's the easiest. It does not impact the the decision making uh, as we go through this. I will say, depending on how much media coverage is, sometimes it's hard to avoid it completely. <laughs> so, just from a human standpoint, uh, I don't go looking for it. Sometimes it'll smack you in the face <laughs> if it's uh, if it's a real big situation yeah. or big school. Uh, 
uh, but it's not part of the record, so it's not relevant, really. Uh, but uh, uh, it's certainly not part of the decision. Now, are there ever disagreements among the Committee on Infractions <laughs> when deliberating a case? Yes, there are. <laughs> and uh, I, that's another thing you ask the question, you know, what surprised you most, is how civil the situation is. It, again, it's an administrative hearing. Uh, you know, the, uh, the image we've got of a courtroom situation where somebody banging <laughs> on a desk, uh, very civil, uh, both in the hearing room. But then now your question about deliberation, same thing. A lot of respect. Everybody has uh, the the different panel members for what uh, you know to get everybody's full thinking out. Uh, but are there disagreements? Yes, and that's part of the reason you've often got five or seven. You know, because we do vote, and uh, at the end of the day, democracy you know carries the table. But more often than not, there's there's complete agreement on situations. What happens after the hearing concludes during the deliberation? So. You know, once the hearing's finished, we'll deliberate. Uh, we come up with a decision, and then it's up to the person who's running that hearing, called the chief hearing officer. So it's one of the panel members is designated as the chief hearing officer. That person, in conjunction with the key staff member that had organized uh, the hearing, uh, those two people will write the, uh, uh, I guess, the, the final report uh, mm -hmm. that comes out of any given hearing. And, uh, and then the rest of the panel will look at that report, and then finally it, it goes public. And is there a certain time frame in the writing of that that takes place? It's gotten a lot faster, I'll say that. Uh, you know, really, the, the volume of cases has, I think, doubled. Uh, I may be off a little bit, but I believe that's the most recent statistic the last couple of years. But yet we've been able to make the, the timing more efficient. I mean, we've, we've cut things down to somewhere in that 60 to 90 day period, uh, you know, which is, again, we've cut that time in half at the same time doubling the quantity. Uh, and, and certainly I think if anybody who lives in this profession, in the compliance world especially, would, would say that, you know, what Joel and the staff have done in making the reports even more readable and digestible uh, you know, that's certainly been a positive the last couple of years. How do you determine what penalties to assign in a case? Well, the penalties come straight from uh, the enforcement working group and what the board passed uh, a couple of years ago, and that's that uh, figure 19.1, the, the penalty matrix, so to speak. So some will be a little flip and call them sentencing guidelines, uh, you know, to use some vernacular from, uh, from the courtroom. But at the end of the day, uh, the consistency in the penalties is something that's really important to us. Uh, in fact, uh, COI commissioned a study by Temple University uh, just in the last 18 months or so that looked at the long history of penalties, especially focused on the last decade, and found that our, our penalties have been remarkably consistent over time. Now, you, you're welcome to cherry pick all you want, and sometimes if you don't delve into the details, it's easy to say, hey, why did this coach get a five-game suspension and this coach get a 10-game suspension? Uh, and, and on the surface, you can find, uh, you know, why, why was that the case? But if you dig deep, which people often aren't willing to do uh, in, in our cases, uh, you'll be able to distinguish those. But very consistent penalties now because of that penalty matrix. And that's, that's an important aspect. Absolutely. You, you want to remain consistent. Absolutely. Uh, especially now that you've got 24 people on the committee and you've got different panels, having some guardrails for us 
uh, in applying penalties is really important to, not only to, to us, but it's really to the membership. What do you wish other athletic directors knew about the infractions process? You know, I, I don't know that I can answer that in a, what I would say a clear way, Cam, because, I, you know, my impression as I talk with other athletic professionals, if you work in this profession, you understand what enforcement does, you understand what COI does. There's an inherent, because the hearings are confidential, at the end of the day, you don't know everything that goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think that's a fair question for the future. It, you know, Because of leaks and because of uh, some entities really putting this information out in a very public way, is it possible for us to continue to do good work in the manner that we're doing and, and trying to keep things uh, confidential? So that's that's a different question, you know, or for a different subject maybe down the road. But I think if you work in college athletics, you understand the process. You understand. I, I don't find too many misperceptions within our own industry, outside our industry, <laughs> uh, the public, the media, very different conversation. So I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable. Okay. And obviously, the goal is never for this to happen. But if you had to go through the process as an athletics director, do you think it would be fair? Absolutely. And I've thought about that, actually, Cam, because uh, uh, you know, somebody asked, asked me, you know, boy, you're on COI. What would happen if, if uh, Xavier was ever there? And it'd be unfortunate. But uh, look, I mean, it's a human I mean, our, our entire industry is built on human behavior and, uh, you know, sometimes people fail. Uh, but at the end of the day, I am very confident the process would be thorough. Uh, I'm confident the process would be fair. Uh, it's certainly not something we want to be in the middle of, though, for a lot of different reasons. That makes perfect sense. Well, Greg, again, thank you for taking the thank time you. today. Really appreciate it. Well, that does it for us for this edition of College Sports Insider. I'm Cameron Chu, filling in for Jack Ford. Thanks for spending the time with us, and we hope you'll join us again. 